0: Hey everyone, it's Erica
1: and Christian Raphael,
0: and we'd like to welcome you to our backpack the podcast where we give you the tools
1: to support your personal and professional journey.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of our backpack.
1: Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa.
0: Christian and I are super excited to be joining you in the year 2021.
1: 2021 it's here it's the year of opportunities um the year of change The year of yeses
0: (laughs) yes always the year of yes it's been a while since we recorded and so we're happy to get back in the groove of things and so speaking of the new year what's one thing you've been doing for yourself in the new year
1: oh that's a good question erica i think for me the thing that i have been focusing on the new year has been changing my environment Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is with COVID-19 it's really allowed me to reflect on like where I am at in my life may that Mm -hmm. be with my friendships habits physical social psychological and for 2021 I told myself that I'm going to change my environments if I'm unhappy Mm -hmm. so part of that means investing time with who I am as a person being more artistic writing setting goals for myself seeking opportunities applying for new jobs you know I I recently I know you know this but I recently just got a new job as a director of coaching and that's one step towards my happiness and so changing the environment that is what I've been focusing on on this new year
0: nice Um, I think for me, I've also been focused on change um, and just being intentional about the changes that I'm making, trying to move. I want a different living space. To be honest, I'm tired of being in that studio. (laughs)
1: Facts.
0: (laughs) Um, Being more intentional and the work that I'm putting out there and finally seeing myself and taking myself seriously as a business and Mm -hmm. trying to have a personal brand. That's something I'm excited about. Um, and just being intentional about practicing self-care. This is random, but I'm trying to grow my hair back.
1: Yes, hair <laughs> length, yes. It looks beautiful. I wish y'all were here. It looks beautiful. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Christian. Even being intentional about that after being very low maintenance with my hair for like two or three years, I'm like, geez, I got to get back into the groove of this. Um, being intentional with the foods that I'm eating and trying mm. different foods and expanding my palate. I'm really excited about that. Um, and I guess just like being intentional about the things that I let into my space
1: a really big one. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with intentionality and changing our environment, it kind of leads to our topic for today. It like inadvertently a little bit, um, yeah. which is right now we're in episode nine, woot woot nine. <laughs> <laughs> episode nine is hey, can you step back when your supervisor is a micromanager?
0: Yes. And like, Crafting an intentional workspace that you can thrive in.
1: Yeah, and I think, I don't know, in relation to COVID and where we are now in a virtual space, how this has impacted people. But for me, when I was in the workplace, depending on my supervisor, they were a micromanager. But then I can also see how in some aspects, now that we're virtual, how much it has shown up or it's absent. And so I think taking the time to understand supervision styles now in this virtual landscape is important to talk about more than ever. Yeah. And so the first, so we're going to break up today's episode in in three buckets, ultimately. So the first bucket is defining what is a micromanager. So that goes into how this shows up in the workplace, the impacts of being micromanaged, but then also recognizing that not all micromanagers are bad. The second thing and the second bucket where we want to focus, is, focus on is the employee experience. And so if you are an employee and your supervisor is a micromanager, how do you navigate that space and feel empowered in controlling that space? And then the last and third bucket before we give your tips are what does it mean for supervisors, right? What does it mean for a supervisor if you are a micromanager and how do you manage your intent and your impact? as you're a micromanager and again not all micromanagers are bad but there are impacts in terms of how you give out deliverables and create freedom in spaces that as a supervisor if you are a micromanager you should be aware of yeah and the so let's kick it off let's talk about what is micromanagement and erica i think micromanagement is always associated with a negative connotation and just for the just for today just keep it as simple right so when I think of micromanagement I think of a supervisor being very intentional in terms of follow-up in terms of follow-up accountability and how close they are with you and a product and so when you think of micromanagement for me it often refers to someone being cc'd on emails then being included in my communication with others. Accountability, so an accountability, depending on who's delivering it, it could be good or bad, but when it comes to micromanagement, ensuring that the supervisor is aware of what I'm sending out, as well as providing feedback continuously. So not only when I want it or when I need it, but when they also feel like it. And then lastly, being closely watched. So as a micromanager, you are watching your team, um, maybe not 24 hours, seven days a week, but close enough where they're aware that someone's observing their behaviors and their patterns. So, for me, when I think of micromanagement, that's like what co- comes to mind the, the follow up, the accountability, and like being closely watched.
0: Yeah. I think for me, um, when I think of the term, I automatically go into the negative impacts of micromanagement <laughs> and what it's associated with. Um, limited freedom in terms of being creative. And I think, as someone who likes to make things, that's always a sore spot for me. Uh-huh. When you have a vision, um, and your supervisor has a vision. And it's not, that supervi- it's not that your vision is wrong. It's just different than the one that your supervisor has.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or it also feels like sometimes your supervisor may not trust you and trust your ability to perform well in the role or even trust your ideas. And that can be hard when you're thinking about coming into a new space and you want to contribute positively. And then when you're thinking about um, company growth and expansion without the input of new ideas... Things tend to be stagnant. Mm -hmm. So that's usually where I think of it.
1: Yeah. And I agree. I think with the supervisors I've had that have been micromanagers, there's all but one that has been a good manager or Mm -hmm. a good supervisor. And so I think recognizing that sometimes micromanagers, I don't think it's their intent to be bad managers, but it just comes off that way, right? Of the sense of control, the sense of lack of trust, the constant follow up and the counts, the constant accountability discussions. And so when I think of the one good micromanager that I had, it really stemmed from three areas. Um, And Eric, I know, you know, the person that I'm talking about, (laughs) Uh, but she was my she was one of my previous supervisors. And the way she micromanaged, there was still room to breathe. I still had autonomy and agency. But for her, it was coming from a place of like team strength and team I hate saying the word bonding, but it was that team bonding that we all showed up. We were very fraternal. That's the word. We all showed up together knowing what we had to get done when it got it, when it was due. And we knew when someone didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, she was always included in the conversations and, for me, I think that was part a level of consistency, right? So she wanted to be CC on, on things. So she was aware of what was happening and to call out any inconsistencies, not in a bad way, but just say, hey, this is due, make sure you do X, Y, and Z. Um, and this goes, went back to our team's organization. And I know you saw how the team operated and managed, but for me, being on that team, I felt very organized in the sense of how we showed up, even how we delivered products together. And so in terms of a micromanager, she was probably the best micromanager in a good way that I saw versus the majority of the ones that I haven't seen that haven't been good.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's good that you mentioned the way you felt being on that team versus the rest of us felt not being on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we were the laggers consistently. <laughs> no. And, and honestly, it was annoying. <laughs> yeah. And and full disclosure, that's how it was always presented. <laughs> Well, my team is on point. The rest of y'all are not. And so after a while, like for the rest of us, it was like, yo, I'm annoyed at this point. We get it. You're always going to be on top of your things and we appreciate you for that. The rest of us, well, look at what we're dealing with.
1: We're here and beautiful.
0: (laughs) We're here and trying to make it work under the conditions that we have been given yeah and so then like thinking about it like working under the conditions you've been given what does it mean to be empowered in your department and in your role we thought it was important to start off with that because feeling empowered in your job is kind of what helps keep you there Mm -hmm. right it's one of the things that affects employee satisfaction and it's also one of the things that increases your self-efficacy and so for me, I feel empowered when I'm being given like tasks and responsibilities that I know will help me grow professionally. I'm mm-hmm. um, not only in my role, but also for me to advance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've definitely seen people not be given opportunities that would help them become stronger and develop more confidence in mm-hmm. what they were doing. And that's something that I've always been afraid of. And so I'm always trying to make sure that when I'm given a task or a role and a responsibility, how will this help me develop in my career? And how will this give me the confidence to move forward when it's ultimately time to, right? And does my department even have, like, the ability for me to advance? Like, is there a position above mine so that I know I'm working under someone that maybe one day, maybe I'll be able to be in their position, or if not, in their position at another institution Mm -hmm. right Um, and how do I make sure that I'm receiving the tools to excel in my job and positively contribute to the growth of my department and the only way to do that is having the conversations with my supervisor to go over quarterly and yearly goals to make sure that my goals and their goals align, but also make sure the projects that I want to bring forth and the skills that I want to work on will positively impact the department and expand the reach of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And then, you know, as much as I hate the idea of being micromanaged i know that i am someone that needs a lot of structure and support because that's just not my strong area (laughs) i'm the person that just wants to create stuff and i want people to take it and run with it and so part of knowing like how much management you need to perform well in your role is having an honest conversation about how well you work independently and what does it mean to keep your supervisor updated on the tasks that you're completing? Facts. Because the question I've had to ask myself is, yeah, yeah, Erica, you want to work independently, but can you? (laughs) 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 But can you? And how well do you work independently mm-hmm. because i do want someone that's going to periodically come in and check in on me because mm-hmm. i've had a lot of supervisors that were just like run wild erica and i was like okay <laughs> but can you come back <laughs> <laughs> because i'm that person who has had to chase some of their supervisors down mm-hmm. just for one-on-ones and just for the ability to check in and so while i appreciate the feedback In knowing myself, I would like to work under someone that is a little bit more focused on consistently checking in and providing me with that accountability. And then to do that, um, it's about understanding your supervisor, understanding Mm -hmm. yourself, and you all having an honest conversation about what you think you need to be successful
1: in the role. Yes, and because I think, and I think you said this very well, Erica, there's, if a supervisor gives you too much ability to do whatever you want and then goes MIA that's not good supervision right right go run I'll see you from a distance (laughs) (laughs) wish you the best of luck no like supervisors should be checking in um it, it may it may not have to be all the time every day but creating some level of boundary so yeah I absolutely agree with that
0: yeah and then when you're given a task, like, what does it mean for your supervisor to trust you to complete that task? Because trust is important in creating a functional work environment. Uh-huh. If you don't feel like your supervisor trusts you, it's just not going to go well. There's always going to be some tension there. Right. It's important in building employee satisfaction and raising your self-efficacy to know that your supervisor trusts you and believes in your ability to do work that's going to positively impact the workspace. And ultimately having that trust will make you feel confident when it comes time for you to make decisions. I feel like that's a big thing for me Mm -hmm. because I don't wanna make decisions that are gonna negatively impact people's jobs. And you know, I've made some decisions recently (laughs) that haven't gone well for people. And I've taken accountability for those and knowing that I had good intentions, but because my communication wasn't high, um, it left Mm -hmm. some people confused. And trust me, it really does suck having to go backtrack, (laughs) reformat things the way they were, apologize to people for not checking in correctly the first time, and then having to come up with a new action plan to move forward Mm -hmm. to do what you were going to do, but now you're just delayed.
1: Right, right. And I think the reality of, of, of this all, right, when you're working with those who might be micromanaging or micromanagers, it's not all on the employee right It's sometimes on the supervisor, and so we're gonna shift gears just a little bit to talk about like for a supervisor, how does this play a role? And you know, me and Erica talked a little bit about some of the negative impacts of micr- micromanagement, but I want to believe that there are people who are out there who are micromanagers and just don't want people to hate them. <laughs> yeah, I'm a micromanager, I fully own it. I sent out And Erica knows this, it's the type A arranger in me. I send out weeklies, I send out action items, I check in on people. But I think there's a way you can do it that's not bombarding someone's everyday life.
0: Yeah, and I remember like telling Christian, like I really liked how he did that and I asked him for his template. Did I continue to do it? I did it great (laughs) for three weeks, but once again, even when we took our like top five strengths, none of mine are in the arranger category. Like I don't have any of those skills (laughs) naturally and it does suck. (laughs) Keep
1: going. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, So for those who are out there who are like, I think I'm a micromanager, help. I don't want people to hate me. The first thing I'm going to say and ask is, where does your micromanagement stem from? So this is important. Does it stem from wanting to control people and your lack of trust of people? This meaning the reason why you manage them and control processes and always are part and always see seed on everything and always want constant communication is because you want to have physical hands or virtual hands at this point um, over the deliverables but also because you don't trust your employee or your supervisee or does it stem from ensuring that things get done to the best standard and I think those are two very different things, right? Are you, does it stem from a place of control and lack of trust, or because you want things to be done in the best standard? And even then, with that question, best standard, what is best standard? Is it best standard for you? Is it the group or the department? Yeah. Because let me say something, it is very frustrating to be in situations where you may have a preference, but it's not the overarching need to it, for it to be a certain way. And so as a supervisee, sometimes I'm using the arranger example. I'm an arranger, so I love format. I love structure. But I also understand that people have different learning styles. And so I know that just because I like things to be A C A B and C, that's not the end-all, be-all unless it has to be. Yeah. And so I think understanding that if you are creating a standard, is it the standard that it has to be? Right. If you're like writing a duty report, you know, you need people's contact information that has to be there. That's understandable. But if you're saying, you know, there needs to be a noun here and a verb here and this is how it should be done every time. Okay, maybe that's too much control.
0: Yeah, because it's like there's a difference between something being wrong and you not liking it and say, well, if it were me, I would have done it like this. Because the thing is that it's not you and you don't have a team of little (laughs) you's. So understanding that is really important to establishing a great working environment that you give people the opportunity to show up as individuals and contribute that way.
1: Right. And just because, again, if it if the standard is I just don't like it, that's some internal thing you need to work out. Just because you don't like how something looks, but it's still accurate, doesn't necessarily mean it's done wrong. Yeah. and I think we I know Erica you and I talked about this I think this shows up a lot in like in the marketing spaces or like staff mm-hmm. development and training spaces where things are where people say well I want it to be this way and why can't it be this way if it still gets the same outcome why are you so pressed about it <laughs> <laughs> is there a legitimate reason why you're upset and then you find out it's something personal well I prefer the color blue over the color green okay yeah, yeah. understood yeah and I'll take that to consider in consideration next time if I want to yeah. And, so the and, and and so once you have a better understanding of where your micromanagement stems from, it's an understanding finding a balance. Right. Right. Like I hear you. I love controlling things, just not people, <laughs> processes. I love controlling processes, but what does it mean to control things and let things go? Uh, last week I had this really crazy dream, where. I went to the so I have long hair for those who don't know. I went to the barber and I cut my hair, and I was crying in my dream. But when I woke up, I was so happy, and I did what every person probably does when they're like having an awkward dream: Google, haircut dream, what does it mean? And it since I woke up in like a positive way, I looked at the positive results, not the negative ones, and it and it referred to letting go of things that you no longer need to control. It's good. Feeling lifted. Mm -hmm. And then you know what happened? That week I took I ran with that. I was like, okay, Christian (laughs) Swirrow, what do you need to let go? (laughs) And I let go of a lot of things that and people asked for my opinion. I'm like, no, it looks good to me. Is there anything that you want to add? And the reason why I share that is because I think when you're fine, if you are a micromanager or a manager who likes control, you also need to understand when can you let go. You cannot control everything. And if you want to control everything, again, that is a personal thing that you need to figure out because there's going to be a lot of things in life that you cannot control
0: yeah and then trying to control everything and have a voice in everything is just going to lead to burnout Uh right because you can't be everywhere at the same time eventually you have to believe that the people that you hired right are capable of doing the job you hired them for and even a little bit more than that and trust that the tasks that they've been delegated and been assigned that they can complete well And it'll meet your standards as well as the standards of the department or the division.
1: Absolutely. And I think going to what you were talking about too, Erica, if you are someone who likes to control things all the time and you're always taking up space, think about the voices that can't speak if you're talking all the time. Right. And trust me, depending on your positionality and power, they probably won't say anything because they probably feel like, oh, I have a, a supervisor who micromanages and they probably don't care what I think.
0: Yeah, because a big part of leadership is demonstrating shared leadership. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to step down so other people can step up and take place and feel more confident and demonstrate their capabilities?
1: Yeah, agreed. What I will also say under this bucket is create expectations, right? I think a lot of control comes from the frustration of things constantly going wrong or the lack of clarity that someone has experienced. I know I experienced that. Uh, you know, working in an institution where every year something's different, I had to create some stability in my life. <laughs> Can't you not. And yeah. so I, I can, we can understand that Wanting to control processes and experiences can stem from things that have happened negatively in the past, but it's your responsibility as a supervisor then to create a path for expectations for your employees to be embraced in, not to go against in. Yeah. And. Some of those things to keep in mind is work with your team to outline the structure, outline the organization, um, outline what the tasks needed that need to get done and how they will get done and make sure there's a group consensus about that. Mm -hmm. Don't say you're going to do this because I said so. This this, is like there are some things that we know have to get done, but I think it also thinks it also relates back to buy in how you're including your team members into this experience so they feel invested in and cared for
0: yeah because we might be the leaders but we do need to establish Mm buy-in yeah facts people can't just blindly follow us because we've been given titles
1: right agreed and if you think about it the best teams i've ever had have been people who thought and who knew that i cared about them and what i was doing was for the betterment of the team yeah and the reason why they believed that was because they were part of that process not excluded from that process, right? And the last thing is, so we talked about a little bit of, you know, create trust with your when you're talking about finding balance, create trust with your employees, um, understand what you need to let go, create expectations. Um, but I, you know, I do want to end this part with supervisors is, if if there's something that you can let go for someone to grow in, consider that. Yeah. You don't need to be the lead on every project because you have to. Erica said that one time in another episode, right? Like (laughs) if you don't sign up, someone will do it. Facts. Or you can assign someone to do it.
0: (laughs) It'll get done. It will get done. Even if it doesn't get done by you.
1: Right, right. (laughs) And so that's all for what we have for today's episode. And so let's wrap it up with our tips. Specifically for employees, when we're talking about micromanagement, what does it mean to be empowered in your department and role? how much does man, How much management do you have in order to perform your role? So as you're navigating your day-to-day operations, think about and reflect of how much management do you have to do your role well? And ultimately understanding, does your supervisor trust you with the tasks that you have to complete them? Supervisors, micromanagers aren't bad people inherently. However, it's how you go about it that can create all the difference. So ask yourself, Where does your micromanagement stem from? Does it stem from a place of wanting to control and your lack of trust of people? Or does it come from a place that you want to ensure things get done to the best standard? If you're thinking the latter, follow-up question, what is the best standard? Is it your standard, the group standards, or the department standard? Lastly, for supervisors, find balance ask yourself what do you need to control and what you what can you let go? Create trust with your employees so they feel bought into the experiences and allowing them to allowing you to believe in their abilities but also allowing them to believe in their abilities. Thanks. C- create expectations for structure, organization. and lastly, ensure that if there are opportunities that you can give to your employees so they can grow, let it go.
0: Thank you for wrapping us up, Christian, and thank you all for tuning in. See you next week for another episode. Peace!